Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Our short national sartorial nightmare is over as the U.S. Senate officially and unanimously votes to make John Fetterman get dressed before coming to work at the supposedly greatest deliberative body in the world. A bipartisan resolution titled the Show Our Respect to the Senate Act, the Shorts Act, S-H-O. It was somewhat labored, but they call it the Shorts Act. It was put forward by Democrat Joe Manchin and sort of Republican Mitt Romney, requiring that male senators wear a, quote, coat tie and slacks or other long pants on the Senate floor or else risk removal by the sergeant at arms. The Shorts Act is the most productive legislative work that the U.S. Senate has done this term. The senators can't figure out how to fix the border crisis or revive the economy or even fund the government, but they have finally now at least figured out how to dress themselves, which is a good start. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. We have a blazing headline today that AI sex chatbots are ruining a generation of men. We'll get to why and how that is in a second. First, though, speaking of the Senate, we have some breaking news right now, which is that Senator Dianne Feinstein has died. Uh, Dianne Feinstein was up there in years. People have called on her to retire in recent years. I have not. Dianne Feinstein was a big Democrat, certainly. I've always kind of liked her. I... I have said for months now, I did not want her to retire at all. I actually was endorsing her for about three more terms because she's much better than anything else we were going to get out of California. Uh, she she had a many decades long political career. There were some uh, infamous moments along the way that conservatives had a lot of fun with, like when uh, Senator Feinstein uh, grilled Amy Coney Barrett over whether or not the dogma lived loudly within her. And so there were these moments, as there are for every politician where uh, people would always just focus on them. But broadly speaking, they come a lot worse than Dianne Feinstein. As far as Democrat senators go, Dianne Feinstein was was really one of my favorites. And I love that she stuck it out until the end and refused to retire or resign, even as many members of her own party were trying to force her to. And uh, so certainly pray for the repose of her soul and, uh, and pray for whoever comes next in California, who almost certainly will be much, much worse than Dianne Feinstein. The, the politically significant aspect of her death is this. Look, Dianne, she lived a good long life. It, you know, it's, it's not as though she was cut down in her prime in her 20s. She lived a good long life, a, a very uh, respectable career as a U.S. senator. Uh, but what it means for us is that we have a gerontocracy. I'm not even saying that's a terrible thing, but our country is run by very aged people, people who are older even than usual in the Senate. You know, the word Senate comes from Senex, which means old man. But even still, by historical standards, we have an aged group of people running the country. And that means that at any moment, they could die. Not wishing ill on any of these people, but Mitch McConnell is up there in years. Schumer's up there in years. Joe Biden, obviously, up there in years. Even Donald Trump, he seems a lot more vigorous than the rest of them, but he's no spring chicken. And so the advantage of having older people running the show is that they do have more wisdom, we hope. They've certainly had more experience. I'm not one of these people who's totally opposed to old guys running things, but it does open you up to the potential of real chaos if someone happens to die. It, it is entirely possible that the incumbent president, as he seeks re-election, might not make it for health reasons. And in that case, what, what will happen? This is something I've said 
as the flip side of our gerontocracy for a long time, which is the longer this goes on, the longer that the boomers and the silent generation hold on to power, the more radical the transformation will be when the younger generation takes over because the younger generation, as always, views things a little bit differently than the older generation do. And, and we have had a period of relative stability in the way that we view our own political order and in our rhetoric because it's been the same people running the show for 50 years. But that is, that is an illusion. That is going to go away the moment that these people go away. Uh, so the Senate will continue on. At least now they've figured out how to dress themselves. Uh, and John Fetterman will have to put on a suit for work. Speaking of men at work, I didn't get to it yesterday, but I do want to touch on this. While the undercard was debating at the Reagan Library for the Republican primary nomination battle, uh, Donald Trump went to Michigan to rally with striking auto workers. Here was his message. Crooked Joe and his payday with the Biden family, they raked in Millions and millions of dollars. You see what's going on. The news doesn't really report it. Very little news reports it. But it was the men and women who got every single day. They got up and came back home with grease on their hands. And they were the ones that paid the price. They paid a big, big price. The only time Joe Biden has ever gotten his hands dirty is when he's taking cash from foreign countries, which is quite often, actually. It's quite often. It's a good line. It's the only time Joe's ever gotten his hands dirty. Okay. Uh, what do we take away from this speech? The speech went well. It was a good, as far as rallies go, it was good. Uh, I don't think it made a ton of news. Uh, I don't know that it distracted too much attention from the GOP undercard debate, but I don't know that that many people watched the GOP undercard debate. And I don't think that that debate really moved the needle for anyone. People performed basically as expected. Some people underperformed. I felt Nikki hurt herself. I felt Tim Scott kind of hurt himself. Uh, DeSantis did well as expected. Vivek did basically as well as expected. Uh, so I don't think it really moved the needle. So what do we conclude from the Trump event? We conclude that he is running in the general election already. This rally was focused on Joe Biden. Crooked Joe, the only time he's ever gotten his hands dirty is when he's taking money. So he he is focused. He is behaving as though the primary were already over. And the primary is not already over, but every indication would suggest that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. The national polls, the state polls, the number of committed delegates in, for instance, the Iowa caucuses, the, the relative lack of change for the polls over time. So it's probably smart for Trump to focus on the general election, but he's still going to have this, he's still going to have this primary. And as, as we have seen today, uh, anything, anything can happen. Uh, speaking of presidential candidates though, and one of those crazy things that could happen, Gavin Newsom, as he prepares for his debate with Ron DeSantis, the undercard of the potential presidential nominees, Gavin Newsom was asked a question about trans issues, and he gave a masterclass in how Democrats should handle this question. Why should parents not know if their kids are transitioning at school? It's a hell of a thing. You're talking about about 1% of the population. Climate change, its impact 100% of the population wasn't even brought up. And we're talking about trans issues. Here in California, we're this is an issue for you. It's a big issue for parents. This is a front and center issue. Why should parents not know? It's the great, it's the great, this is one of the greatest distractions. And it's classic. 1% of the population in the United States, these kids just want to live. These kids just want to live. And we're having a debate about trans issues at the Reagan Library. Governor Bateman, sorry, Governor Newsom, he lies, he, he wheels and deals and he's slick and he's cynical and he's all those terrible things, but damn, if he isn't good at politics, that was a great answer. If you have the completely untenable position that a man can be a woman and you take that to its logical conclusion and you say that it should be the policy of the government to trans little kids, to sterilize little kids and put them on cross-sex hormones and mutilate their bodies— and you need to defend that completely indefensible policy and position. That is the best way to do it. And he does it, he does it with enthusiasm. He does it with glee. Look, he doesn't back away from the question. He doesn't seem to be on his heels. Oh, well, no, look, what I really mean, actually, look, come on, guys. He's 
1% of the population. This is ridiculous. These kids want to live. They want to live. And climate change is going to kill us all. Oh, come on. You kidding me? <laughs> Hugh, <laughs> do you ever listen to Huey Lewis in the news? <laughs> Try getting a reservation at Dorsey and now, President Trump. <laughs> People underestimate Newsom at their own peril. This guy, I'm not saying he's going to be the Democrat nominee because I think Joe Biden is going to hold on as long as he can. But sometimes <laughs> desiring to hold on is not good enough. I mean, Joe is not in charge of his faculties. And as we see, anything can happen. If Governor Newsom, and I fled him, I fled Newsom's failed hell state of California, okay? I, I've seen this guy's policies very close. If this guy is the Democrat nominee, I don't care if you've got Donald Trump, who I think is a singular political talent. I know some people think he's less talented. I think he's pretty impressive. But if it's Donald Trump going up against Newsom, if it's Ron DeSantis going up against Newsom, Ron DeSantis has a billion times better record as governor of Florida than Newsom has as governor of California. I don't care if it's any of those guys. I don't care if it's Vivek. I don't care who the Republican nominee is. That guy will be tough to beat. That guy will be a lot tougher to beat than people are suggesting. He's just pure riz, okay? The guy has got riz, and we got to talk about that. When you want to talk to your friends, you got to talk about Pure Talk. Right now, head on over to puretalk.com slash Knowles. You know a company is looking out for you when they actually upgrade your service and don't charge you for it. This is great news for new and current Pure Talk customers. Pure Talk just added data to every plan and includes a mobile hotspot with no price increase whatsoever. If you've considered Pure Talk before but have not made the switch, Take a look again. For just $20 a month, you will get unlimited talk, text, and now 50%, 50% more 5G data, plus their new mobile hotspot. This is why I love Pure Talk. They're veteran-owned. They only hire the best customer service team located right here in the USA. Most families are saving almost $1,000 a year while enjoying the most dependable 5G network in America. Remember, when you vote, you can vote with your ballot and you can vote with your money. So stop supporting woke wireless companies that don't support you. When you go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, you will save an additional 55% off your first month because they value you. That is puretalk.com slash Knowles. Pure Talk wireless for Americans by Americans. Governor Newsom, man, for all his many sins, he is teeming with Riz. And speaking of Riz from Democrat politicians, do you guys know, maybe some of you are not familiar with Gen Z lingo. I'm a hip-hop and cool cat, so I know how the kids talk these days. It's short for charisma, okay? That's what we say when we're hanging out at, you know, the sock hop, smoking cigs behind the gym. Uh, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State for Joe Biden, just showed off some of his riz when he played a set of Hoochie Coochie Man on a left-handed Fender Stratocaster at the Global Music Diplomacy Initiative. woman told my mother... I want to hate it. I want to hate it. I'm waiting. When I saw this thumbnail load up, I thought, oh, man, here comes the cringe. Gird your loins. Hold on for dear. Here comes the cringe. And then he started playing. And he's surprisingly good. It's not Jeff Beck. You know, it's not. He's not Jimi Hendrix. He's not Muddy Waters. But his rhythm playing was basically fine. It's kind of cool that he's playing a left-handed strat. His pitch and tone as a singer, surprisingly good. It's hard for white guys to sing uh, songs that have basically only ever been performed by black guys or only ever been persuasively performed by black guys. And he he did it pretty well. I thought I, I was actually pretty impressed. Uh, this is, Today is my day of saying nice things about Democrats. I'm saying that Dianne Feinstein was not the worst U.S. senator by a long shot. I'm saying that 
Uh, Governor Bateman over there in California might be a stone-cold psychopath who feeds stray cats to ATMs, but he's a political talent. And I'm going to say Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, a pretty good little guitarist. You know, he's got a decent pitch on him too. And I, I really like that. I like it when politicians, when political leaders have hobbies, when they have other interests. When they don't, then, then I just assume they are pure psychopathy, that they are just absolute 100% grade A sociopathy. Whereas if like Churchill, if they paint, you know, if like Blinken, if they play guitar and sing Muddy Waters, I don't if, if they have other interests, it makes me think that they are at least somewhat human and they are not merely focused on the acquisition of power for no other purpose than wielding it. Now, speaking of hobbies, turning from good edifying hobbies to dubious hobbies. There's a story out in the Hill. It says, AI girlfriends are ruining an entire generation of men. It's by Liberty Vittert. And I didn't even know what this meant. You know, I'm hip and I'm young and I'm cool. And I talk to the kids and I got Riz and I smoke cigs behind the gym and I'm, you know, go to the sock hop and everything. But I didn't even know what this meant. And what, what I learned from this column is that there are apps. There are apps that uh, simulate girlfriends. And they've got a lot of users, like a shocking number of users. In fact, there's one gal who, she's an influencer. She's a real human being. She made an AI bot of herself named Karen and got 1,000 paying users in less than a week and a wait list of more than 15,000 people. So it's generating millions and millions of dollars. And a lot of people, many more people want to use it than even are able to use it right now. And it's, it's not just like they're logging in and, you know, it's just some rote computer program. The AI learns what your desires are and then tailors its messages to your desires, mostly sexual, one would assume, but maybe some of your other inclinations and interests as well. The AI learns from all this to assuage the silent epidemic of loneliness that is hitting this generation of young men, according to Vittert. More than 60% of young men ages 18 to 30 are single, compared to only 30% of women of the same age. So you've got now the clear majority of men, 18 to 30, are single. That's brutal. One in five men report not having a single close friend, and that number has quadrupled in the last 30 years. And I know it, man. I see it. This is so much more than just about sex. This is about people not having friends, people not being able to go out and have a drink with somebody or a cigar with somebody, or I guess that's mostly what I do with my friends, but go out and, you know, play a game of pool or just chat or it's, it's increasingly rare to have friends these days. And people who don't have friends, I mean, loneliness is such a painful experience They think that they're the only ones. Obviously, if you're lonely, you feel lonely. You feel isolated. But this is a widespread social problem. Huge number of people who have no close relationships, especially with a a girl. The amount of social engagement with friends has dropped by 20 hours per month over the COVID lockdowns. So you say five hours per week it's still decreasing. And so this professor, Liberty Vittert, says that America desperately needs people to have more babies, but all signs are pointing toward fewer relationships, fewer marriages, and fewer babies. And people are going to mock this. To me, the saddest part is, is the crisis faced by so many people of not having any close friends, which is not just a personal problem. Maybe it's that, you know, you're, you've got to work on your personality and your virtue and all those things a little bit. But you can't say it's just a personal problem if it's widespread throughout the whole society. Then it's a political problem, and we need some cultural and political uh, campaign to fix it because the issue was caused by cultural and political factors as well. That's why it affects so many people. And this is especially true when it comes to romances that could lead to marriage, that could lead to babies, none of which we're getting right now. People are going to mock this, and they're going to say, you— freak, you weirdo pervert, you'd rather have a relationship with a chatbot sitting in your mother's basement all by yourself getting getting weird sexual messages from a computer than go out there and have a girlfriend. What a weirdo, what a freak you are. But I, I see why this is tempting. In fact, the professor says it too. He says, this is 
a way to assuage the loneliness epidemic. So you're feeling lonely, then you start using weirdo tools like this, and then it it seems like a little band-aid on the problem of loneliness because you're getting the simulacrum of a, a relationship, but you know it's not real, so then you become even more lonely, even more isolated, even more encouraged in your weird sexual desires, and, and the problem only compounds on itself. It snowballs. And I see why it's tempting, too. If you, if you have a real girlfriend, she can tell you no. If you have a real girlfriend, she's a human being who you have to respect. It's not just about the satisfaction of your own desires, as weird as they come. I, I, I get why men in Japan, notably, but even in the United States, would turn to porn rather than have a girlfriend. I get why they would turn to these weird sex robots instead of having a girlfriend. In a way, one could more directly satisfy their apparent desires and selfish longings with one of these things that isn't actually human, that doesn't really have a soul or consciousness, over a human being. Totally. And so if you're an atheist, if you're a materialist, if you think that this world is just kind of stuff and that our, our consciousness, our, our sense of longing and love and desire and dreams, that's all just an illusion caused by misfiring little electrical impulses in our brains, then there is no argument against this. There is no materialist secular argument against the weirdo porn AI chat robots. There isn't one. And there are many... Uh, arguments for using them in a culture that's extremely lonely at a time when the highest and only moral maxim is, if it feels good, do it. And the more people indulge those impulses as they are, the worse the society and the individuals are going to get. But in a world without God, there's no argument against it. There's no way to stop the psychological, social, and civilizational suicide. It doesn't look good. When you want to look good, though, you got to check out GenuCell. Right now, go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles. As you might know, we are all fans of our friends at GenuCell. Don't just take my word for it. Ella from Rockford says, I have both age and acne spots, and this stuff is actually fading. Both of them. This serum is worth every penny. Ella is raving about the famous dark spot corrector from GenuCell. A must-have after months of record heat and humidity. Sunspots, brown spots, discoloration, even red inflamed patches all disappear in front of your very eyes. And here's the GenuCell amazing guarantee. You will see results on day one or your money back. So take advantage of GenuCell's most popular package, which now includes the dark spot corrector, plus the classic GenuCell bags and puffiness treatment and immediate effects, all for about 70, 70% off. So you can try the best skincare in the world for yourself, absolutely risk-free. It is very simple. You go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles, Canada, WLES, start looking years, even decades younger tomorrow. Say goodbye to dark and liver spots, bags and puffiness under the eyes and crow's feet at genucell.com slash Knowles. That is genucell.com slash Knowles. I've told you time and time again, and I hate to say it, it pains me. But I have to say it because I have to be honest with you. I told you so. Yes or no, the game has sold out over at dailywire.com slash shop. Again, it will come back into stock, but you need to secure your game today if you have not already. If you want to play it at Halloween, if you want to play it at Thanksgiving, if you want to play it at Christmas, order it now so that it doesn't run out of stock and then you miss out. Also, if you've already got the classic game, be sure to get the all-new Conspiracy Theory expansion pack just in time for spooky season. And speaking of my collection and the rapidly approaching change of season, if you're even mildly familiar with this show, you're aware of my affinity for a certain seasonal treat. You know, a little autumnal beverage known as the pumpkin spice latte. So what better way to bring the fall atmosphere into your home than with the all-new Michael Knowles pumpkin spice candle? Mmm. Ooh, cinnamon, vanilla, pumpkin spice. Wow, delicious. Available right now in my collection. Don't wait. Order your candles in the yes or no game today. Your whole, your whole room can be filled with my musk, which this time of year is pure, 100% unadulterated pumpkin spice. Go to dailywire.com slash shop today. My favorite comment yesterday is from Matthew Smith hyphen CP3HU. What a strange name. Who says, what I want to see is how states are going to hold an honest and fair election. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, you know, I like a number of the candidates who are running for the presidential nomination. I like Trump. I really like Trump, as you know. I like Ron DeSantis. I think he's a great governor. I like Vivek Ramaswamy. 
is a friend of mine. He's a very impressive guy. Uh, obviously, I love Doug Burgum, the future emperor of the the country. Once once we move into full Caesarism and the Burgum Burgum momentum takes off, then he's going to run the whole country. But you know, a number of the candidates I really really like. It it does seem likely to me that Trump is going to be the nominee. And if you like the other candidates more, sorry, you know. And could something change? Of course, anything could change. Maybe DeSantis pulls a rabbit out of his hat and wins the nomination. Maybe Vivek surges up and and becomes the nominee. I'm not saying it's not possible. Just seems to me, since the polls essentially haven't changed in 14 months, and because Trump is essentially running as an incumbent, uh, it just seems to me very likely that he'll be the nominee. So I'm just not as focused over the sniping of the individual campaigns at each other. Every time you know, there's a bad clip of Trump or a bad clip of DeSantis or a bad clip of Vivek or some oppo comes up somewhere. I'm not even that interested in reporting on the news of it because I just don't think it's really consequential. I don't think any of it really moves the needle. What I am focused on is, no matter who the nominee is, can that person beat a Democrat? And part of that is going to be personality and popularity. And part of that is going to be, are the Democrats going to rig the election? Do... I'm fairly confident that the election was fairly rigged in 2020, okay? And I'm fairly confident of that because the Democrats admitted it and that they changed all the rules, in some cases, in contravention of the state constitution, as in the case of Pennsylvania. They did that. Was it significant enough to flip the election? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it was. So if Trump is the nominee again, what's to stop them from doing that again? This is the argument made by the DeSantis camp and some of the other can- campaigns. And it's a good argument, but, but then my response to that argument is, well, what's to stop them from stealing it from you? you know, we're talking about a, a structural political issue here uh, that Republicans need to get serious about, or else all of these debates, not just the one at the Reagan Library, but all of these debates in the primary are abstract and theoretical and not going to amount to much if the Democrats rig the whole system to give them an insurmountable advantage. Okay, speaking of dubious apps, you guys remember threads? Do you remember Facebook threads? It's not as though I'm saying, hey, do you remember MySpace? Hey, do you remember LiveJournal? Hey, do you remember AOL Instant Messenger? Apps from years and decades ago. Facebook rolled out threads, which was going to be its Twitter alternative, like two months ago or something. And now I hadn't even remembered it until I was on my Instagram account and I saw some link to it. I said, oh, right, there's a threat, there's that thing. That didn't, that completely flamed out. CNBC is reporting that upon the launch of Facebook threads, it looked like it posed a real chance of, of being a formidable competitor to Twitter. And then it just collapsed. The forecast predicts a U.S. user base of 23.7 million people for threads in 2023. That is significantly less than half of the 56.1 million anticipated U.S. users of X, formerly known as Twitter. And Twitter was always the smallest of the big social media sites. So compared to Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, it's relatively small because Facebook has 177.9 million users. Uh, Instagram has 135.2 million, and TikTok has 102.3 million. Threads just completely collapsed. Less than half of Twitter not even registering in the conversation. My takeaway from this is it was, in fact, smart of Elon to buy Twitter. At the time, he bought it for $44 billion. People said this is a big waste of money. uh, Look, maybe the company will still go bankrupt. It has financial problems, but if the point was for Elon to have control over one of the big platforms in our public square to actually get messages out there, it was smart to buy Twitter. All the libs said, if Elon buys Twitter, we're going to get off Twitter. We're going to stop using it. It's going to collapse. We're all going to go someplace else. And they don't. They don't. And they never do. They never go to Truth Social. They never go to Parler. They never go to Gab. They never go to Threads. They never, they, it's no knock on any of those platforms. But these platforms have a lot more staying power and inertia than they have previously been given credit for. A lot of people said, well, look, you remember MySpace and then MySpace went away, so some new company will do. That's not how it works anymore. In those early days of the internet and the new media, things were a little more tempestuous than they were. 
They've really settled down, though. And the institutions, especially Google, especially Facebook, and to a much lesser degree, Twitter, they control the public square. This is why it was so dangerous when the big tech platforms censored the Hunter Biden laptop story, including from private messages. Because in a republic, such as we are supposed to be, if you control speech, you control the whole political order because the way we govern ourselves is supposedly by persuading one another and deliberating. The Senate is called the greatest deliberative body in the world. We speak to one another, we make speeches, we make arguments, and then we, we persuade enough people to get some things done. If you control speech in the public square, you control effectively the whole political order. And that's what these unaccountable billionaires in Silicon Valley had been doing all for the left. Twitter comes in, well, Elon comes into Twitter and just shifts it and makes it more amenable to conservatives. And it worked and it had staying power. Conservatives in recent years have been eager to flee the old institutions. They say the old institutions are so hollowed out, so desiccated. Screw it. Let the libs have them. We're going to build our own institutions. It's good to start building our own institutions. Obviously, that's what we're trying to do here at The Daily Wire. But that is not enough. We should not cede the institutions to the left. That's how we lost the universities. And the libs went in and hollowed out those universities and made them zombies of what they once were. But they still have some prestige. They still have some influence. If, if we want to get back to any state of normal in the United States, we've got to fight over those. We've got to have hostile takeovers, retakeovers of those institutions. We need, we need Elon Musk and people like Elon Musk, I guess there aren't very many because he's the richest man in the world, to go in and put their money where our mouths are and take those institutions and kick out the bad guys and turn them a little bit more in the right direction and start wielding them for our interests, which happen to be more in line with justice and virtue and a flourishing society. Don't give them up. Don't concede them. Don't say, well, you're going to have them. It's all lost. Tactical retreats can be fine. Sometimes you got to tactically retreat from Harvard to Hillsdale to get your troops back up, but, but that's only to mount another attack on Harvard and go in and take it. Sometimes you need to tactically retreat from California to Texas or California to Tennessee, but not to say we don't care what happens in California anymore, only so that you can get your forces strong enough again to go back there and fight those battles in California and throughout the United States so that we have a flourishing society. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense. Speaking of building institutions, there's a report out from 60 Minutes the U.S. has dumped $25 billion into non-military foreign aid for Ukraine. So while we're now hearing that our, that our military servicemen in the United States will work and not be paid in the event of a government shutdown, shop owners in Ukraine are still going to keep getting checks from me and you. Checks, not, not for arms, not for guns, not for tanks, just to keep the lights on, keep baking bread, keep selling products, keep the hotels open non-military aid. In addition to the $43 billion in military aid, we've dumped nearly $25 billion into non-military aid. And the right is aghast over this and shocked and horrified. I'm not shocked at all. This is what empires do. We are an empire. The war in Ukraine is an imperial war between the United States and Russia, two large powers, formerly both great powers. Now, Russia's considerably degraded, but still two relatively great powers fighting over territory that the East and the West have fought over for a long time. And what empires do is not merely supply bullets and guns and things, but they wield their resources and their power to keep the whole country afloat. That's what happens. We are inevitably going to throw our power around. And to pretend that we're not going to do that anymore is to ignore reality and to continue to cede these institutions to the left. The question that we should be asking is not, should we throw our weight around? Should we have influence in the world? Should we be the great, powerful country that we are? The question is, what are we going to use that power for? Are we going to use it to hoist pride flags in Kandahar? Or are we going to use it to spread truth, justice in the American way, to, to expand the, the founding example of the United States, to be a shining city on a hill, to be a model of Christian charity. What is We are going to impose or at least impel the adoption of our values around the world. We can put our heads in the sand and pretend that's not the case and let the left just have fun doing it, or we can get into the nitty-gritty and say, what values are we going to share? Is it going to be the American flag? Is it going to be 
the cross of Christ and Christendom, or is it going to be the rainbow flag? What, what's it going to be? It's going, to, it's going to be something. Now, there's a story. I'm just going to tease this. There's a story out there, big he- blaring headline on Drudge Report. Will there be a late entrant into the GOP primary race? And who, you know who it was going to be before you even click the headline. There's scuttlebutt. There's talk out of Virginia that Glenn Youngkin could be a last-minute entry into the GOP race. To which I say, well, I'm out of time. That'll be my tease. We'll have to talk more about it on Monday. You know, when Dr. Jordan Peterson made the decision to join Daily Wire Plus, it was a major win for those who champion intellectual debate. With one year of unparalleled output, his contributions have set new standards and remained unmatched by any other platform. Daily Wire Plus now has a vast array of exclusive Jordan content, offering hundreds of hours of captivating content you won't find anywhere else. Jordan has created thought-provoking works that reshape your perspective on life, which include Vision and Destiny, Marriage and Dragons, Monsters and Men, and, and, and there's so many commas and ands, I don't even know where one show begins and another one ends. Additionally, you can immerse yourself in discussions that nurture your spiritual side, like Logos and Literacy, Jordan's groundbreaking series on the book of Exodus. That's only the beginning. I have not even mentioned his Beyond Order lecture series. Well, I guess now I just did mention it. Or his extensive archive of lectures and podcasts. I guess I mentioned those too. This is the absolute compendium of all things Jordan. There is even more new exclusive content on the horizon. By becoming a Daily Wire Plus member, you will embark on an unforgettable experience that will fuel your thirst for knowledge and inspire personal growth like never before. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member today. Finally, finally, I've arrived at my favorite time of the week which is when I get to hear from you in the mailbag. This mailbag is sponsored by Pure Talk. Go to puretalk.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to save an additional 50% off your first month. Hey, Dirty Mike, Mr. Reality here. I had a question for you about Trump's poll numbers, specifically from that ABC poll that you talked about on your show on Monday. The ABC polling has a history of being wildly wrong, specifically in 2016, a few weeks before the election, they had Hillary Clinton up double digits over Trump, and we know how that turned out. So my question for you is, given that the mainstream media clearly wants Trump to be the nominee, uh, either for their ratings or because they think he'll be easier for Biden to beat, and given their history of faking polls, which we all know is true, my question is, do you think it could be an effort by the mainstream media to help Trump get elected to make fake polls showing that he is electable? Ben's talked about the underlying numbers on some of these polls that show him winning huge support from black voters, which is unheard of in Republican circles, for example. Uh, do you think the polls could be fake to take out the DeSantis argument, or do you think they're real this time? Thanks. And if you do think they're real, why? Thanks. It certainly could be an example of the media wanting Trump to be the nominee. I don't think the media consciously want Trump to be the nominee. I, I don't think it's that they're all in a room and they're sitting there smoking, you know, smoke-filled room, probably vape-smilled room if it's the liberal media. And they're saying, okay, what we're all going to do, guys, is we're going to pretend that we hate Trump, but secretly we love Trump because he gets us ratings. So ha, 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 what we're going to do is give him the nomination. Ha, ha, okay, you all got your marching orders? Let's go out there and pretend to hate Trump. They sincerely hate him. They really hate him more than they hate other Republicans. But uh, like someone in a perverse romantic relationship, they they also love him because he does give them ratings. That's true. He's ratings gold. Nobody comes close. Uh, So if it were merely that, if it were merely media coverage, I would say, okay, maybe this is uh, being trumped up, pun intended, to get them more ratings. And if it were merely the ABC Washington Post poll, I would say, yeah, maybe it's a cooked poll. I'm not sure I believe it. The reason I suspect that Trump really is far and away the leader in the race right now is that every single piece of evidence points to that. Every single one. It's not just one poll or two polls. It's not just the Democrat polls. It's not just the Republican polls. It's not just the, it's it's every poll says essentially the same thing. Uh, they they all have Trump winning, not by a little bit, but by a ton. The gap is huge. Uh, the polls are not in any way dynamic. The polls have remained the same basically from the beginning. Uh, in terms of, I mean, it's still very early on in Iowa, but in terms of committed delegates, I think Trump has something like a two-to-one lead on committed delegates in Iowa. Uh, it just, 
the, the way that the race is structured, there were so many candidates, none of whom seem ready to drop out. This is why everyone knocked Dana Perino for her question the other night about the game show and Survivor, who do you vote off? And it, it was perhaps phrased in a silly way, but the, the impetus for the question is a pretty serious one, which is, hey, if you all stay in the race, nothing's going to change and Trump is the nominee. So one of you has to get at, multiple of you have to get out. If you even, if any of you even want to have a chance of beating Donald Trump, but none of them have any incentive to get out right now. So because that's not changing, I just, and because Trump is running effectively as an incumbent, which is something we haven't seen in our lifetimes for a, a president seeking a non-consecutive second term, I'm inclined to believe that it's not just all completely fake. If, it, if it's all, if every single piece of evidence is just completely fake, then I guess the conspiracy runs deeper even than I had suspected. Next question. Hey, Michael. I think it was around a year ago this time that you had really first put the thought in my mind that I needed to look into Catholicism. I grew up in a really lukewarm Protestant household, but it's taken me this long, and I think I'm ready to take the plunge. I believe the church is who she says she is, and I want to become a Catholic. And I'm just wondering, where do I go from here? What are the steps I take? Any advice would be great. Thanks, Michael. Great news. I'm so pleased to hear that. That's wonderful. Uh, It's probably not too late to start RCIA, which is the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. So just contact your local parish or, you know, or maybe if you prefer going to mass at a different parish. Um, You know, if maybe your local parish is a little bit on the lib side and there's a more reverent uh, mass somewhere else, um, just contact them. Say, I want to start RCIA. Email the parish secretary or the priest and they'll get you started. And then you could be uh, receive the sacraments by Easter. And that's great news, really. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Really glad to hear it. Okay, uh, next question. Hi, Michael. So there is one thing that I think your audience can wholeheartedly agree on, and that is how much we love hearing you talk about sweet little Elisa. Mm -hmm. You talk about her in such a kind and loving way, and I think we would all love to hear the story of how you proposed. Thanks again. Love the show. Oh, well, let's see. The story of how we proposed was we were down at Beachcomber Restaurant, a great little restaurant for breakfast in Orange County, California. And I had uh, purchased the ring already, uh, obviously. And, uh, you know, I had known Elisa since we were 10 or 11 years old. So what's amazing about it is you still get extremely nervous. And so we go down for breakfast. I said, I can't make it through breakfast if I don't pop this question now. So Elisa goes, she's like, I'm mad. I'm going to go use the restroom. You know, we had just gotten down there. And I said, not the most romantic way to set it up, I guess. And I said, okay. And I walked a little further down the beach while we were waiting for our table. And Elisa only began to expect it when she saw how far down the beach I was. Because I didn't want to be around a bunch of people. And, you know, and then just got down on one knee, popped the question. And it was lovely. It was really great. And then we had breakfast. Then uh, it was just a great, it was a marvelous that's all, that's all I have to say about that. I don't know. I didn't do one of these things that modern people do, which is, you know, they hire a band and like, you know, a mariachi band and acrobats and a, a full film crew to film it and post it on TikTok or whatever. It's just this lovely little private moment on a beach before we had pancakes and beignets and coffee and mimosas. It was great. Next question. Michael, you have to understand how Democrats' election rigging works. In 2020, Trump pulled 10 million independents away from Democrats. No one believes that 20 million new voters mailed in ballots for Democrats because Trump made mean tweets. A cursory examination of those ballots found that they were anonymously cast. No court was allowed to hear the evidence so Democrats could deny there is proof. They know they can't get away with that again. So Pennsylvania is preemptively registering everyone to vote. So now they can mail out ballots to their headquarters and send them back with the names of registered voters on them whether those people cast a ballot or not. They'll also allow illegal aliens to vote using the names of citizens who never vote. Who's going to check their IDs? Democrats know they are a minority now and must conduct extreme ballot box stuffing to win. They will make shams of all our future elections. 
The fix is already in to make 2024 a repeat of 2020. This is why Republicans must repair the election system to a traditional state. One election day, in person with citizenship ID only, no mail or provisional ballots, and only paper ballots, not computerized ballots. This would just be the beginning of repairing our system that Democrats have broken. I agree. Is there any question? I, I broadly agree. I mean, I, I, I guess the one place I disagree is I think sometimes the Democrats are a little subtler and more sophisticated about how they stuff the ballot box. I think that the way that they harvest ballots, the way that they target places like nursing homes, the way that they, you know, stuff ballots in lockers and the way that they position the drop boxes is a little bit more clever than the blunt thing that you've described. Uh, but the the end result is substantially the same. And that's, that's certainly the purpose of it. I mean, just as the purpose of Democrats flooding the country with illegal aliens is to give them new voters down the line. The purpose of the widespread mail-ins is, is for them to steal elections. That's the only reason. Ten years ago, Barack Obama was admitting that widespread mail-in ballots are open to fraud. Um, but, but then they realized it would benefit them during COVID. So now they're the, the big supporters of it. Uh, that's all true. I agree. I mentioned that earlier in the show, actually, that we're not focused nearly enough on whoever the nominee is. Trump, DeSantis, Vivek, I don't know, Doug Burgum. Uh, how the Democrats aren't just going to steal it again in precisely the same way. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. From Alex. Hey, Michael. I've noticed as of late the term, uh, the original sin being used by leftists to say American slavery. Obviously, original sin is Adam and Eve partaking of the forbidden fruit. Why are they trying to rebrand the original sin? My, my initial thought is to introduce the idea of baptism into the worldly church versus the church of God. Would love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, that's why I always hate that stupid phrase when they say, America's original sin is slavery. It's not. America's original sin is original sin. That would be the original sin of every nation on earth and of all men tracing back to Adam. That's true. Um, but yeah, the, the reason they do that is because they center their political vision around man rather than around God. So the, the original sin in the Garden of Eden is a, is a transgression of man against God, whereas the original sin of slavery is a transgression, they view it, I think, as a, as a transgression of man against man himself. So it just becomes totally anthropocentric. Uh, and it's, it's very shallow and silly, obviously, but it's, it's just a way for them to channel their natural religious longings uh, toward an end that they can acknowledge exists, which is human beings on this earth. And that they don't allow their natural religious longings to point them up in their intellect and their desire toward God, who is the source and summit of those desires. From Julie, do you believe in staying married forever if you're not valued? Even if after 38 years of marriage and three highly successful kids all grown and on their own and a very full life, you know that there are deep problems that will most likely never change. Or with 20 plus years left on earth, would you be better to look for happiness and compatibility elsewhere? I am opposed to divorce in all cases. <laughs> so uh, yes, uh, what you're describing here, let me find your exact wording. What, what you're describing here is deep, there are deep problems and you aren't valued. And I don't want to minimize that because that can be extremely painful. Of course, it's especially painful when it's someone who's supposed to love you the most, who, who it behaves that way with you. That's true of a lot of marriages. A lot of marriages have problems. What I would recommend is working on the marriage constantly, every single day, and being, being blunt and honest about it. I wouldn't just try to paper over everything, uh, but I would, I would work on the marriage from the premise that under no circumstances can the marriage break. Because you have three highly successful kids, even for your adult children, the div divorce would be a massive scandal. It's a, not just for little kids, but for adult children to, to crack up the foundation of their world, to crack up the symbol of the love of Christ and his church, 
even if you didn't raise them in a particularly religious way, uh, it, it's it just it just completely cracks their sense of the world. Uh, and it's a scandal for society, and it's a scandal that leads other people down this path. And it's a reason that people don't get married now, because they say, well, 50% of marriages end in divorce, or whatever the statistic is. It, it's it's bad. And do you, you really think you're going to be so happy living alone, just because your husband's sort of a jerk sometimes? Okay, now I'm going to be better off on my own, or you're going to start dating at age 60 or something? I just think it's crazy. I think the grass is always greener. And it's not to minimize people in a in an unpleasant marriage, but the the only thing to do and that the only reasonable thing to do, it seems to me, is to work on the marriage. I don't think your husband wants to be mis- miserable either. You've got to work on it and, and don't uh, just suspect that liberating yourself, emancipating yourself from your family is going to make you happier. I, I, I strongly doubt that it would. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Okay, today's Fake Headline Friday. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member and use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost.